Um, we've been getting squeezed like from all sides and all angles. Uh, meaning, there have been you know more stressful things in life, and um, you know there's a lot more birthdays and holidays and things piling up for sure. Uh, but outside of that, it's just a lot of unexplainable things that just have kind of been like popping up. And I don't believe it's a coincidence. Certainly not. Um, I take that to mean that certainly uh, we're at a good spot doing a good thing and that Satan, the devil, does not really like that. And so uh, we have just been getting really just squeezed from all around. It's like just to get a breath of air and when Jesus says these things like, come to me, you got you know heavy burdens, my yoke is light, it's easy. And I'm like, well, I can barely breathe right now and I'd like we're trying to come to you. Um, so, if you could, keep the Murphy family uh, in your prayers. Because, um, in the midst of it, um, I can say that, you know, Julie and I, um, our marriage uh, is probably at one of the best points it's ever been. And I'm really happy about that. I can also say, there's been other times that have been challenging and difficult where it was nowhere near the best it's ever been. In fact, probably some of the worst it's ever been. Um, it's, we don't have anything perfect, but it's taken us a long time just to get a better handle of when stressful situations and circumstances in life come up to not start just going at each other. Um, and so that's like really uh, important. So if you can keep the Murphy family uh, in your prayers, we would greatly uh, appreciate that. Because it's just like some bizarre stuff. Um, so one thing I'll share with you. Just a couple weeks ago. A couple weeks ago, um, uh, sleeping, I dream a lot. A lot of dreams come up. You know, Sometimes they're just random and weird. But like, I definitely dream every night. Like Very specific things I can remember You know, when I wake up and things happen. Um, so a couple weeks ago, three nights in a row. Boom, boom, boom. Three nights in a row. Really fearful, just uh, violent, strange dreams. Just about like our, just about like our family, you know, about my wife, you know, about my son, and just crazy things. So, and and actually, uh, scaring me. Like literally, like, I wake up scared. Like what the? Hell? What was that? You know, my heart rate is like elevated. Um, I don't feel good with the lights off now, you know, just like weird stuff. It's like, what is the deal? You know, I'm like, Lord, like, this is not from you. Like, these are not dreams from you. This is, this is not you. This is, what is the deal? So three nights in a row that, and the third night, I roll over, and I'm like, babe, I was like, you just got to pray for me, like, right now. I don't know what the deal is. Like, it's going on again. And she's like, really? I was like, yeah. So, uh, you know, we pray right then and there. And, uh, you know, that's like, I don't know if you've had these before, but it's an emotional prayer time, you know, between me and her. And it's just like, man, like, this is heavy duty. You know, so then we go um, in the other room uh, where Jaren is. You know, pray over that little man. And, uh, you know, so stuff has just been, like, hot and heavy. Then we're up for, like, the next hour praying together. So it's just kind of, like, craziness, you know, going on. So, and, and I don't think that... A lot of the stresses and things going on are due to our stupidity. Because we do plenty of that. And I'll, and I'll gladly tell you that. Like, we do stupid things and just, then we catch, you know, the, you know, re-reap that. But um, we haven't been doing too many stupid things lately. So, uh, I won't say none, but not too many. So, 
yeah, if you could keep this in your prayers, uh, that would be good. Because I don't think uh, that Satan's, you know, really pleased, certainly, uh, about a new work for God being done in Connecticut, being done in Ogtuck. You know, in this town, we're just uh, darkness and just doing your own thing your own way kind of just rules the day. So I don't think that he's happy about that. And I think that if I were Satan, um, I'd probably fight for every ounce of ground that I've had that might have a threat of being lost. So I would keep that in prayer. And keep your brothers and sisters in prayer too, you know, and people that come here and um, family members and friends. Uh, there's a lot of stuff going on. So um, keep them in your prayers. Uh, I, I just wanted to let you know that because, you know, church church family. I, I don't think like we're just a bunch of people that come together on, you know, a Sunday or see each other at a potluck. And so I literally believe in this whole family thing that like we come together, you know, as a church family. And so um, sometimes we've got to share our needs about what we need to get prayer for and just be honest about stuff. And it's certainly not more Christian to act like difficult things aren't happening and, you know, try and avoid that. That's not the case. It's like to draw us together and have us come pray and, and, and unite. So that's why I share it with you. Uh, not as you know, like a sob story type deal, but just to keep you aware and keep you posted. So thir- Matthew 13, right? That's where we're at. Um, let me start off with this. I got a picture of uh, up here of a dog up here. And I think this picture summarizes a little bit of the culture that we're in and kind of like what we're used to here says, uh, you know, so your owner made you fetch the ball, but they never actually threw it, I'd say you have a strong case for fraud. Right? And we got him dressed up as a little lawyer, looking to go after the owner if you have a dog, or you've done it with a dog, and you go to throw it, and you fake it, and hold it, and they learn around, and you laugh at them. Right? It was fraud. We didn't actually throw. We tried to trick them. And... Um, this idea of fraud and phonies and fakes and, and not real uh, is something that I think permeates our culture a lot. And it's just around us all of the time. It's on our big TV screen where half the people on there, three quarters, almost all, are just fake. From the makeup to what they have to what's been shot into them, just it's all fake. In the pages of the magazines, like it's fake. Um, we have people that are just, you know, politicians, if you believe all they say. I mean, come on, like a lot of that is fake. We just had, uh, well, I mean, it started with Pinocchio, right? I mean, Pinocchio kind of ruined everything. So you got Pinocchio and his big long nose and lion, and then you have Aladdin. Right? Like, he didn't, you know, he's a phony too. He was a street rat. You know, he was a street rat, and and Jasmine was the princess, and she could only marry a prince. And so, you know, he found the bottle, and, you know, he wished to be a prince, and, you know, he couldn't keep up this double life of trying to act like a prince, but he really wasn't because he had the genie, you know, and just, you know, but more, you know, recent things. You know, Bernie Madoff, a big, fat, phony, fake fraud, right? One of the biggest ever in history. $18 billion, that guy. Um, Everybody see that movie, Catch Me If You Can? You ever see that movie? Based on a real-life guy who actually faked, you know, being a a pilot and uh, being a pilot instructor and being a doctor and forging checks and just his whole life was just a big phony and fake. Um, Recently, 
in the news, you have this girl, uh, uh, Jim, Jill Kelly, surrounding this whole like Petraeus scandal. You know, it turns out like almost her life's all fake. She's in like a ton of debt. And probably the biggest one recently, which is really pretty sad, is Mr. Live Strong, Lance Armstrong. Oh, he's Live Strong, you know, but I not doing the right things apparently in his races. I mean, he actually did have cancel and battle it and fight it. You know, there's no denying that. But he wasn't exactly that honest, you know, in his races and getting ready for things. Um, at school, we have these periods that are kind of like homeroom. And the deal is, like, we do it once a week where you stay with, like, your 18 to 20 kids. And um, they call it a teacher advisory period. Um, it's kind of like a homeroom. And uh, you stay with the same 18 to 20 kids, you know, all four years while they're there. And it only happens one day a week. And so the school tries to make it so it's relevant, you know, relevant. So whatever the administrators say is relevant, which is like half the time snoozerific. Um, but this one particular time, uh, we were talking about cheating. That was a subject that we were talking about. And that led to good conversation. And it was piggybacking uh, in the NFL when the uh, Patriots were caught uh, filming and, and essentially cheating uh, against other teams. And so we were talking about that stuff, you know, and the kids were like, you know, well, I don't know if it's wrong, and everybody else is doing it, and, you know, it's only wrong because they got caught. And I was like, what? I was like, I was like so wait. I said, so you're saying that it was okay for them to do it because everybody else was, but the only time that they were guilty of doing something wrong was because they got caught. Yes, Mr. Murphy, that is what we are saying. Wow. They've learned some things along the way. They're picking some things up and soaking that in. And that's kind of the message that they're getting from all of these folks, uh, fakes, you know, phonies and frauds. And I think that makes it very difficult for us to Christians because we have to battle with no right or wrong, really. Morality is subjective. I mean, why believe in a Jesus if it doesn't really matter? Why get up and go through the hassle of a Sunday morning, and it could be a hassle? Why get up and go through the hassle of a Sunday morning when there isn't even a God? Why go out and do good for others when it doesn't really matter? Why believe in Jesus or a gospel and try to convert people if everyone goes to heaven anyways? We're all going. I mean, really, what's the deal? And so, because of these things, I think like there's a culture of just just fake, phony stuff where it almost could become like second nature, where we could just do it because it's just around us so much all the time, and it could creep into our spiritual walk. So, according to the Bible. Sin is real, Satan is real, and evil is real. And that just freezes people right there. Like, that's the sticking point. Is that really the case? Is there really this thing evil? Is there really this thing Satan? And for some of us, it's, not, it's, it's like a non-issue. Well, yeah, obviously, of course. You know, we have um, horrible travesties done in history, and you just look back at mankind and what has happened. You look at things like 9-11 and just genocide, and you see all these things... Yes, it's got to be evil. But, some other people, you know, would say no. In fact, I read an article this past week um, online about a group of neuroscientists. 
and these neuroscientists are saying, well, you know, I don't, or we don't think that evil is really this uh, morality sort of issue. It's actually um, a malfunction in somebody's brain, really. That's really what it is. They don't have the ability to really know, so it's a malfunction. And so they're spending a lot of time, energy, and money trying to prove that. You know, and these are the doctors, these are the smart people. So there's this battle, you know, going on. And if you go on one side or the other, you're kind of viewed as a lunatic or as a radical or not really fitting in. And so the popular idea may be it's got to be sort of in the middle somewhere. So this morning we're going to look at, Jesus is going to talk about the issues of counterfeit, evil, and their effects on Christianity. He's going to tell us uh, the extremely unpopular truth about what is happening now and what's going to happen later. So we're going to take a look at some of that and see like, you know, what he has to say about that. So um, let's read here and then we'll see uh, what happens. So uh, Matthew uh, 13, we're going to start in verse uh, 24. And the title of the message is Discerning Wheat and Weeds. Discerning Wheat and Weeds. So we're kind of kind of staying on this agricultural farming, organic Sunday morning stuff. So uh, we're green, right? We're, we're green. So let's take a look. Now, you want to keep your finger on verse 36 because we'll read 24 through 30 and then we're going to jump to 36 and finish it up. And the reason why we do that is because Jesus kind of explains what he's talking about. So... Verse 24, it says, Jesus told them another parable. He says, the kingdom of heaven is like. That's an important phrase. A lot of what we're going to be reading is going to be, the kingdom of heaven is like. So you probably want to underline that in your Bibles. And I didn't ask. Does anybody need any pens or anything? Because Mr. Murphy would love to get us uh, some pens. Over there, the other Mr. Murphy would love to get some pens. No pens. Okay. So the kingdom of heaven is like. So you want to underline that kingdom of heaven. Because we're going to see that a lot. So the kingdom of heaven is like what? What is it like? Singing, robes, parties, pizza. What is it like? It says, A man who sowed good seed in his field. But while everyone was sleeping, his enemy came and sowed seeds among the wheat and went away. When the wheat sprouted and formed heads, then the weeds also appeared. The owner's servants came to him and said, Sir, didn't you sow good seed in your field? Where then did the weeds come from? An enemy did this, he replied. The servants asked him, Do you want us to go and pull them up? No, he answered, because while you are pulling up the weeds, you may root up the wheat with them. Let both grow together until the harvest. At that time, I will tell the harvesters, first collect the weeds and tie them in bundles to be burned, then gather the wheat and bring it into my barn. So then we skip to 36, because now Jesus gives like an explanation of what he was talking about. So in verse 36 it says, Then he, Jesus, left the crowd, because he was talking to a crowd, and went into the house. His disciples came to him and said, Explain to us the parable of the weeds in the field. He answered, The one who sowed the good seed is the son of man. The field is the world. The good seed stands for the sons of the kingdom. The weeds are the sons of the evil one. And the enemy who sows them is the devil. The harvest is the end of the age, and the harvesters are angels. As the weeds are pulled up and burned in the fire, so it will be at the end of the age. 
The Son of Man will send out His angels and everything they will weed out of His kingdom. Oh, and everything that causes sin and all who do evil. They will throw them into the fire furnace where there will be weeping, gnashing of teeth. Then the righteous will shine like the sun in the kingdom of their Father. He who has ears, let him hear. So, we've got to figure out what's going on here. And how does this issue of counterfeit evil, how does that like, affect in Christianity? So what is the deal? What is going on? Well, just a quick recap from last week. Not to get really too deep into it again. But basically, Jesus is taking this uh, crowd that he has uh, in front of him. And what he's trying to do is explain the way the Word, we talked about last week, remember the Word, right? The Logos, the way that works, when that goes out and people hear about it. And now, uh, he's going to talk about the Kingdom of Heaven. And he's trying to use familiar things with people. Because he's not there with the PowerPoint projector, you know, clicking through things. He's probably out there in a field. There might be, maybe, a farmer in the background, maybe sowing some seed or doing something. And he's saying, look, you know, it's kind of like that. And so using something familiar uh, that they're familiar with. And so last week, uh, we talked about how Jesus said there's four soils of men's hearts. Right? Four soils. And so, just to recap quick, the path... The seed, when they go and spread, when the uh, sower goes and spreads the seeds, when it lands on the path, nothing happens. Uh, these are the people that just don't care. They're spiritually indifferent. I just don't really want to hear it. So when the logos, the message, not the graphe, right? The graphe is like not the thing. But the logos, the message part that goes out, people hear it, and they're like, yeah, you know, whatever. I got stuff to do. You know, I heard this thing before, whatever. Spiritually indifferent. And it says, in the birds, steal it away. And that's kind of like Satan. Like when this Logos goes out, it just gets stolen away. It's like the time I was on my honeymoon. We were in Antigua. It was, Antigua's nice. We were in Antigua. Awesome beaches. Uh, great sand, water's great. Um, but like you ate outside in this like covered pavilion and uh, we'd go out there and just tons of birds and seals and stuff. Like what, you know. This isn't sanitary. What is the deal here? So as soon as you leave, like the birds just come in like vultures and just take everything, you know, and go. And then there's like some, there's cats like walking around too, you know, it's just like animal kingdom on your honeymoon there. And so we're there and I remember getting some breakfast, eating something. No, I got a dish. I got like a bagel or something, you know, and some fruit. And I was like, oh, that looked good too, you know Buffet style. You gotta go for seconds. So then I leave mine there. Big mistake. And then I go uh, in the line, come back. You see like f- four birds come down, take the bagel, just take off. And it's just like, what the heck, you know? And they're stealing my stuff. And that's like what happens with the logos. Like when it goes out, and people are like there at church on Sunday, they hear it on the radio. Maybe they hear the words and the music, and they hear this stuff about Jesus and dying and. Paid for my sins, and you know we can go to heaven. We got to get right with Him. You know to hear this stuff, but it's just like, nah, I really don't want to hear it. And then Satan himself just like comes in, takes that stuff when we're off thinking about doing whatever else, and just takes it. You know, it's the way he kind of looks at that. So that was the seed that fell on the path. Then there's like this rocky soil where these are the people that start off really great, but they finish horrible. They're so excited in the beginning because it's like this new thing. But they don't start off so hot. And honestly, in life, it's more about how you finish than how you start. And most people, I think, know that. Because in Christianity, it's not really about the emotion of the moment, but about the test of time. 
right? It's not really about the emotion of that moment that you're in, but it's about the test of time. How are you going to do as time plays out when you are getting squeezed, when difficult things are happening, when it seems like everything's falling down around you? Now we see maybe what that was all about in the beginning, that profession of faith that we did. Then we had this thorny soil. So we had to see this on the path. We had this rocky soil, the rocky road. Then we have this thorny soil choked by the things in this world. It's like they, they heard it growing up, doing okay. But then, you know, they're just kind of choked out by the things that are going on. And it's not necessarily sin and bad things. Could be good things. Could be wanting to, like, provide for the family. Um... Could be just trying to work hard, trying to enjoy life. But the problem is that as soon as maybe some of those other things take the place of where Jesus and God should be, that battle is only going to go on for so long. And something's going to get choked out, something is going to lose. And so Jesus is saying, well, listen, you know what? Sometimes it happens to people. They hear it. They understand a little bit. But over time, it just gets choked out because they're caught up in other things. Not necessarily bad things, but it still chokes out Jesus and the Word. And sometimes it's said that the biggest enemy of the best thing is a good thing. That makes sense? The biggest enemy of the best thing is a good thing, like second-rate stuff. Oh, well, yeah, that's pretty good, and you kind of settle for it. So sometimes it happens with the thorny soil. And it says the deceitful of, of wealth really gets people. Greg Laurie says it well. He says, as far as wealth and money go, he says, listen, wealth, money, not an evil thing. And money is not the root of all kinds of evil. It's the love of money. The love of money, where that's the most important thing. And he says it pretty well. He says, you know what, as far as money and wealth goes, you should get it, you should guard it, and you should give it. It's pretty good, so I stole it. You should get it, you should guard it, and you should give it. And then there's that good soil. And here's the part that like, I couldn't get out of my mind this past week, and so if you follow the church, like Facebook page or anything like that, and I'm always posting stuff on there, um, just this idea of how this soil of our hearts, we actually control that part to a really large extent. We control that soil of our hearts. So it's kind of up to us how we determine how good that soil is going to be. So maybe all week long, like we've been churning it and working it and tilling it, and then maybe come Sunday, like it's good fertile soil, ready for whatever word might be coming. Or each day we're tilling it and cultivating it for ourselves for that maybe rhema-type moment with God. So we determine the type of soil our hearts have. So Jesus continues on this. So he's got this farmer sowing good seed in the field. He's got an enemy coming in at an opportune time. Notice the enemy comes in when they're sleeping. Right? Nobody's paying attention. And what he does is he plants weeds among the wheat. And when the wheat sprouted, so did the weeds. Now, they didn't realize that an enemy infiltrated and sabotaged and created counterfeits. That's what happened. And so they were like, well, hey, should we pull them now? And then the owner says, you know what, no. At the harvest, we'll separate them and we'll dispose of the weeds and keep the wheat. And then in your bulletins, right, I have some things there listed as far as how Jesus broke down the parable, what each thing symbolizes. And so we have the farmer which is Jesus, right? Which he was in the other parable. We have the field, 
which is like the world, the good seeds, would be disciples or Christians, and they says sons of the kingdom. And we have uh, weeds, the son of Satan and the devil selling them. And interesting, the angels are the harvesters. So we're going to look at two things from this section this morning. That's really it. Two things. So number one, counterfeit Christians and a counterfeit Christianity. That's the first thing we're going to look at and think about. Counterfeit Christians and counterfeit Christianity. Because there's all these fakes, these posers, these frauds. They're all around. And it can creep into the church and it could creep in maybe into our faith. Because according to this passage... They're right around us. So look at your neighbor. Maybe. With one eye up and one eye down, right? Are you the weed? Or are you the weed? Right? Because they're going to be around us. They're going to breathe the same air as us. They'll go to the same churches. They'll be in the same places. They'll just be around with us. You won't even notice. Until at the very end, when we are at that table in heaven... And we're like, wow, where's so-and-so? Like, I thought they would be here. Whoa, you made it here? And then the funny part will be, they'll look back at you and say, I can't believe you made it here. Right? It's going to be very interesting how that all happens. Here's a really interesting thing about this wheat that uh, we're talking about in the passage here. we got a picture of it. And I say that the devil is in the darnell. The devil is in the darnell. What am I talking about? Well, these weeds and this wheat that would be out there, you have the wheat and this enemy, Satan, that went in and kind of threw in these weeds with it. He planted something called the darnell wheat. It looks exactly like the wheat that's going to bud. Um, they actually sprout at the same time. They're same in structure, same in size. They actually have seeds too, just like the wheat, although they're lighter. And they look kind of the same when they ripen. Although, when the Darnell wheat, it looks like that. When they ripen, they're black. And when the other wheat ripens, it's brown. And if you eat this stuff, you could get poisoned and sick or possibly die. It's pretty interesting. And that's like, and Jesus knew who he was talking to. Like, they would know that. Because they spend time around, you know, this farming, this wheat. It's just part of their every, everyday life. It would probably be something like for us, you know, uh, I don't know, probably computer-based, you know, if we had like a virus, you know, come into our computer and we're like, oh my gosh, we have to like quarantine those files and keep these other files, you know, and something like that. So Jesus knew that they would know about this stuff. <coughs> but we have these counterfeit Christians and a counterfeit Christianity that's false. And, and the really scary part is that there's going to be a lot of people that buy into it. It's going to be very scary. Anybody ever see the Left Behind series? Left Behind series, right? So the series called Left Behind. Meaning, and we'll talk more about this um, in a little bit, but meaning, at the end here, um, what's going to happen is that we're going to leave. Like, God is going to really call the believers, this sweet home. And there's going to be some people left behind who haven't made that choice yet, haven't made that proclamation yet. And in the movie, it's very interesting um, that a pastor uh, gets left behind. So this pastor church, he gets left behind. And 
Uh, it's, uh, it's a series movie, and it's got all kinds of uh, great parts in it. But here he was thinking that he was, you know, wheat. And he was really like a wheat. He didn't really have it down. It's pretty scary. And it's scary um, how much they could be alike. So the challenge for us is, so now do we live this life knowing that like there's these weeds, there's this wheat, there's this dynamic now like, okay, like what do I do? Do we like magnify everybody else's life around us? You know, how does that work? And, and are we supposed to be like, well, they're not really legitimate, but this person, you know, over here is. Like, how does that work? And then in the Bible, it says, Jesus himself said, in Matthew 7, you know, don't judge, or you're going to be judged. And then Paul, in 1 Corinthians 5, which you could look at later this week if you want, he says, listen, uh, I'm not going to judge those outside the church, but we should judge those in the church. So, like, what is the deal with that? That could be confusing, right? That sounds contradictory. It's, uh, <coughs> it's really unfortunate um, that when they translated, and we were talking about translations of the Bible beforehand, um, it, it's really unfortunate that some you know, translation of the Bible translated the word judge wrong. Um, the word condemn would really be the best word for it. Meaning condemn, you mean like you throw them under the bus and you just like paint them with the brush of, you know, they're guilty, they're wrong, whatever. That's not really a place for us to do. Like only God is really going to do that. We don't want to do that to people because we never know the whole story. We never know all the facts. But at the same time, if someone were to come in here and act a little strange and we find out that they're acting a little strange with the kids downstairs... Tell you what, we're gonna, I'm going to observe that and I'm probably going to make a judgment call and we're going to kick his can out. Like, that's not right. That's not good. So it has to be like this balance of not condemning and throwing people to the bus and writing them off. But yet at the same time, like we have to guard and protect ourselves because it says in 1 Corinthians that love always protects. So Christians have to have a balance in that. The good news is is that like we're free to not have to judge like who's the real deal and who's not. Like at the end of the day, that's really God's call. And so we don't, you know, have to go around doing that. So that's nice to know. You know, are you wheat? You know, are you Darnell? Like, you know, what is your deal? You don't have to like inspect them. But it's gonna be a challenge to try and balance that for sure. So that's the first part. There's this counterfeit Christianity and counterfeit Christians. And honestly, it seems to me like this counterfeit Christianity that's coming about is just sort of like a mismatch of whatever you want to put together that sounds nice and sounds pretty good and makes sense. Then that's the way it goes. And this is like a passage of the Bible that just a lot of people don't like because you're saying, hey, listen, here's the deal. He's saying, here is the deal. I'm not saying it, but he's saying, here is the deal. And so if we believe the God of the Bible, then I guess we've got to believe that deal. That's what he's saying. And to try and change that and make it easier is not a good thing. And all around us is all fake phoniness, never really seeing things as they are, especially if you might get in trouble. So that's going to be a struggle for us. So we're in a field, we have wheat, 
We have, in the King James Version, tares, or these darnel seeds, or weeds. So the second observation I want to look at today was that the harvest is going to come. So the first part, there is counterfeit Christians, there is counterfeit Christianity. And like, we're in it and around it. And we're going to meet these people, we'll hang out with these people. And hopefully our hearts are filled with love and we're not trying to go after them and like judge their entire lives because that's not like what we're called to do at all. There's an ABC News poll done. It was called, what was the title of it? Elbow Room, No Problem in Heaven. Elbow Room, No Problem in Heaven. And it said in the study, and this was done in 2005, it probably hasn't changed much uh, since then. It said in the study that the people polled, 75% of the people polled say that they're going to be in heaven, that they're going there. 75%. 75%. Um, it doesn't match up really well with what it says in Matthew 7. What it says in Matthew 7, it says, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name, in your name drive out demons, in your name perform many miracles? Then I'll tell them plainly, I never knew you away from me, you evildoers. So like, it doesn't match 75%. Oh yeah, I'll be up there. And you can already see like the traces of this counterfeit part of thinking, well yeah, like, I should be up there. And I have done this, and I have done this, and I do have these good things to back it up. But the big problem with the whole deal is this thing called sin. That's a big problem. And that's a word, you know, people don't like. But the Bible is filled with it. So it's like, you, you can't really run away from that and have it both ways. So either we can like read through this thing and pick out the stories and things we like and avoid the sin stuff or we like go with it altogether or we just throw it out altogether. And it's really tough to sort of sit here and defend and just be like, yeah, I'm going to pick out the stuff that I like and the parts that we think are real. I think that's probably a pretty bad choice. Throw it out altogether? I wouldn't say that's real wise either. But I would encourage you to like research and look at how valid really is the Bible? How trustworthy is it? I think it's totally worth all the time, effort, and energy. And then I would also combine that with Asking God, like, what is the deal? If you're real, what's the deal? What about this? What about that? And I would spend some legitimate time looking into it. I spent a lot of my own personal time looking at, you know, Buddhism and Islam and um, Jehovah's Witnesses and Mormonism and all kinds of things. Because there's issues that I needed to get squared away, like, within myself. Not saying that I found, you know, every answer. Not saying that. But within myself, certain hardcore things, I'm like, we got to come up with something in this. And I'm not going to, like, live off of what somebody else is saying. I want to actually know, you know, for myself and see, you know, where this is at. I think it's, it's worth that time, effort, and energy, and it's got to be done. But as far as this harvest coming, and 75% of people thinking that they're going to be hanging out in the barn, it's not really going to go down that way. Jesus is saying, hey listen, like that's not the way it's going to go. Because honestly, there's going to be fairness at the end. Satan and evil will be dealt with. The Bible shows the fact that Satan, evil, and the devil is real. 
So people may think that they're not caught now unless the law catches them or unless they get a fine, you know, unless they get a detention, you know, whatever it is, like they didn't get caught. <coughs> it's not really the deal. This is where they're wrong. It's interesting that the Bible talks about this guy, the Antichrist, right? The Antichrist is going to come. And so what's going to happen at the end here, you know, we're going to go. In the flash, twinkling of an eye, you know, we're going to leave. These people that have faith in Christ, you know, the wheat, we're, we're going to go. And people are going to be left behind, like in that series. And what's going to happen is, then this person, who the Bible says is actually Satan, really himself, incarnate, is going to come. And uh, he's going to be amazing. He's going to be amazing. Like, this stuff is going on in um, you know, Israel, and the Gaza Strip right now, and they're fighting, and Iran's you know, going to pick up some nuclear weapons you know, at any time, and things are going to develop and happen. Absolutely. It's just headed that way. They hate each other. Um, this Antichrist, he's going to bring peace to all this. Can you imagine? He's going to bring peace. How are you going to bring peace to this stuff? This is... This is like hardcore stuff that you just can't... Somehow he's going to do it. And we know how by the power of Satan. He's going to actually do that. And then people, of course, are going to love him. And they're going to say, wow, this is the way the world should be. Peaceful like this. Getting along. This is good. This is excellent. And he's going to deceive a lot of people. And even do miraculous miracles. Can I say miraculous miracles? I guess so. I'm not in English class. But that's what he's going to do. And then what's going to happen is he's going to set up for himself in the temple in Jerusalem and actually ask to be worshipped. It's eventually going to get to that point. That's what's going to happen. That's what the Bible says is going to happen. In 2 Thessalonians, that's what it talks about. It says, Don't let anyone deceive you in any way. For that day will not come until the rebellion occurs and the man of lawlessness. So that's like this Antichrist person is revealed. The man doomed to destruction. He will oppose and will exalt himself over everything that is called God or his worship so that he sets himself up in God's temple proclaiming himself to be God. He's like the ultimate Darnell Wheat. Like this guy is like the Mr. Counterfeit, counterfeit phony fake fraud. And he'll even go to such great lengths as to bring peace and even do miraculous works. That's what he's going to do. That's going to be his signature line. And so for those people that just look really for peace and for ways to just help people, I assume that they're probably going to be right on board with this guy. Because of course, this man of lawlessness isn't going to talk about like this sin issue and things like that. Absolutely not. That would bring, you know, division. And that would cause problems. That's not going to be what he does. So he is the ultimate Darnell seed, for sure. And Satan, his methods don't really change a whole lot. He's an expert deceiver and accuser. And that's what we have to deal with. So the question really to think about is this. Number one, certainly, are we posing, is there any fraud in me? Because at some point in time, I'm not going to get away with it. I'm, I'm not getting away with it. I might think that because somebody doesn't call me out on it, or maybe I don't get arrested for it, or I don't get a fine for it, that I'm not really caught like the kids in class. Well, unless you're caught, Mr. Murphy, you know. 
It's okay because everybody's doing it. If the Bible is right and these words are right, something's coming. And I believe in faith that it is. Accountability time is coming. So that's a real question to ask. Are we posing at all in any way? Is there any fraud really in us? And I would think for those people, that's an exhausting life to live. Having like one foot in, one foot out, and being like... And this isn't... I should have said earlier, like this is not about the Christian that's just struggling to do the right thing. That's not what this passage in parable is about. Where they're just struggling, you know, like... They're just fighting and swinging. It's just like they feel like they're you know, getting up and then falling back down and trying to do things right, but then you know, making a mistake and feeling like they're going backwards. And, but they're in there fighting and swinging. This parable is about the ones that are intentionally hypocritical. And in the Bible, the, word, the usage of the word is like they put on like a mask. They actually put on a mask. They're an actor in a play. That's what like the, that word means when it's used. So they're actually purposely trying to trick people. Not a good thing. So I think that's one question we certainly got to ask is, are we posing, is there any fraud in me? Any hypocrisy going on at all? And then I think another thing to think about is certainly let's not waste too much time on inspecting other wheat. Like I, you know, I shouldn't be, you know, in other people's business just magnifying glass everything. I mean, that's just not what we're called to do. That's not it at all. We should protect But God, honestly, He's going to make the ultimate decision. And you know what? That's actually really nice because I don't have to deal with it. And it's nice to know that He's going to do it in a fair way. And I know that's a big sticking point in the Bible because people will say, you know, what about, you know, that family in India or Brazil or wherever that never even has even seen a Bible, even heard a cross of Jesus like. You know, and God is going to send them to hell? No. God is going to be fair with them. I'm not exactly sure how he's going to do it. But he will definitely be fair. If you spend any time at all in this book and read through it, and not take what people say as just gospel truth, but actually look at it, you'll see his heart in there and how many chances like he gives people and how fair he is. Like, that's just his nature. That's what he does. He's going to judge them in the right way. I don't know how it's going to look or what he's going to do. But it's nice to know that, you know what? He loves them and cares about them way more than I think I love them or care about them. That's really nice to know. And whoever is asking those questions, maybe they don't even know that. Listen, God loves them and thinks about them more. It's good that you're concerned about them and how God might deal with them. But God is like way more into their lives and loves them way more than you could even fathom. He's got it taken care of. And here's the interesting part at the end. God wants us to use God wants to use us to increase the harvest. And that fill in the blank is in the bulletin there. I think it's the last one. God wants to use us to increase the harvest. This Thanksgiving time, like, when they, that first Thanksgiving, you know, that was harvest time. They had, like, everything that they had. They were at the table. Um, you know, Indians there and pilgrims there. And, you know, they're all there celebrating together. The harvest must have been a fun party. Probably a lot of good food. And, you know, they had everything there. 
an amazing harvest. And what God wants to do is He wants to like not just use me, but use each person, like all of you, all of us, with what you have, with what God has gifted you to increase the harvest. So He's actually looking to increase the harvest through you and your abilities, through me and my abilities. Not because we're super people, but because that's just the way God works. He actually chose to do it that way. To work through people and help increase that harvest. And help show them that, hey listen, this that's kind of counterfeit. Here's like what Jesus actually says. Here's what's actually going on. Here's what that life actually looks like. Here's how you should be making decisions. Here's the wisest way to do it. Here's what love really means. Here's what it really looks like. So it's amazing that he would actually use it. It's kind of scary, right? I mean, like we know ourselves and like how much we screw up and how incapable we are um, and how far we fall short, fall short and how inadequate. But he says, you know what? It's okay. Trust me with it. Take that risk. Take that risk. And just like go talk with them. Or maybe go offer to pray for I took a risk this week. <coughs> so, and I was nervous, you know, and so I told you before uh, about uh, the student at school. There's a couple of students at school. I just feel like, I know it sounds crazy to people, but I honestly I believe it. And Julie thinks I'm a little crazy too, but that's okay. I got her to marry me, so she's locked in. But um, So this past week I took a risk. I just feel like God is just like, hey, just pray for healing for a couple of these kids at school. Just with what, whatever physical issues they have. So I'm like, God, that's just, just like, you know, crazy. What? Do you know who you're talking? Are you talking to the right person? Like you know. So I've been praying for these kids nonstop, praying for them, praying for them. Like I don't know. Like God, I just pray you come into their life. I pray that they would help help come to know you. That maybe in their masses, you know, the Bible would just something in there would just stick out to them, but just supernaturally just touch them and just change their lives. This, and if you could, you know, use me to do it. I'd love to do that. Like, how many miracles have been done at Notre Dame and West Haven? I think zero. So, like, let's start this thing. Like, let's do it. Let's try it. It's a huge risk. You know, I, I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know what it's going to look like. And I want to do it in a way, uh, certainly that's sensitive. You know, these are kids. And I don't want to, like, build them up and then, you know, have them be crushed or anything. And so, you know, it's all got to be done the right way. So this past week, on, uh, on Friday, um, got a... Uh, one of the kids uh, had to make up a test uh, that I've been praying for. He's got to come and make up a test, and uh, he's going to come in early before school. So I'm like, oh man, you know, like, that's a pretty good opportunity. So Thursday night, I know he's coming. So I'm like, okay, I'm going to get to bed early. You know, I'm going to get up early. I'm going to get in there. I'll tell him like to meet me earlier than what I would normally say. You know, maybe like somehow a prayer time maybe will develop. I don't know. So Thursday night. I get a bit early, my alarm goes off. I'm like, you know, I'm kind of like nervous, but I'm kind of pumped, kind of excited. And I'm like, wow, like this, you know, maybe something will happen today. You know, maybe, I don't know, maybe, I don't know, you know, but nonetheless, I'm excited. And uh, <coughs> get to school. Of course, he doesn't get there on time. You know, so I'm sitting in my room, you know, waiting and just pray, praying the whole way to school. Get my classroom praying. Um, he comes. And 
he comes in and, and he's been out because in addition to the other difficulties he has, he had a knee problem. And uh, so I, I just felt really, you know, led to, to just pray for his knee. God, just heal his knee, you know, just heal his knee. And um, he, he comes in and uh, we're sitting there and I'm like, what the heck am I going to say? Like, how do you, can I pray for you? You know, and, and you got to be careful on how you do it. And there's just, there's got to be sensitivity there. And so I forget. Oh, I remember what I said. So we come in, we're sitting there. I'm like, so how's your knee feeling? You know, he's like, it's okay. I'm like, so it's been tough, huh? He's like, yeah, you know, it's been tough moving around. And he's had his crutches. And I said, man, you must have a lot of people praying, like, for your knee, you know. And that's, that's, what, I, that's what I thought of. You know, he said people praying. He's like, yeah, people have been praying for my name. He's like, wow. I said, well, you know, would you mind? Would, would it be okay if we prayed, like, right now? Would, would that be okay or would that make you feel weird? I said, if it makes you feel weird or uncomfortable, no way. We'll get right back to geometry, you know, that's fine. Uh, we'll get back to the test, but I, I don't know. He's like, no, no, that, that would be fine, that would be fine. So then, uh, so then I'm like, okay, I guess we're going to pray. So then we pray. And um, definitely, definitely nervous, you know, because I uh, don't know, you know, really what's going to happen. So we pray. And um, didn't want to, like, belabor it, carry it on. You know, this is already probably kind of strange that the teacher's offering to pray for him. So we pray, finish. So then we, we stop praying, and I'm like, so how's your knee feel? And uh, he just kind of looks at me and smiles. And I'm like, well, does it feel, it's, it's healed now, like it's better, right? Like, you could walk, you could get rid of the crutches. I said, you could run, right? And he goes, I don't think so, Mr. Murphy. I'm like, are you sure? I was like, did you know, feel any tingling or sensations or anything while we were praying? And he's like, just looking at me. I was like, well, why don't you just try it out? And he's like, no. He's like, that's okay, Mr. Murphy. And I'm like, oh, man. So then we get through. So then we're going over the math stuff. He's still sitting there. Sooner or later, he's got to go. You know, of course, I'm going to watch him like a hawk. <laughs> so then he, uh, it's time to go. Bell rings. He's got to go. And he needs another student to come in and uh, carry his backpack for him because he can't carry his backpack and then be on the crutches too. So uh, he gets up to go and I'm like laser vision, you know, on his knee, and it's you know it's still bottom hurts him and you know it gets down and I'm like, oh man, you know, like I was so like looking forward to and ready and praying for, and I was like, it ain't the day. It ain't the day, apparently. But then I just kept praying all day. And to be honest with you, like, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a little discouraging. But it's not, like, devastating. I still feel like, you know, i got to keep this kid in prayer and this other kid in prayer. And, uh, you know, just see what God does. It was certainly a risk. In my mind, and from what I see, it doesn't seem like, hey, how really successful was that? But that's just what I see. That's just not the life that like we're called to live, is what I see. That's not the life. That's just not. So, you know, I'm going to you know, stay on board, you know, and keep swinging and looking for opportunities and seeing what happens. And until I leave that place, like I just, you know, going to be obedient and faithful and take that risk. Because at the end of the day, God is trying to work through me in ways I don't understand and that might not make sense and don't even look successful at times, but He's looking to use me to bring in this harvest, to be a light for Him, to be salt. And honestly, I just got to just show up and just do whatever it is. I don't know what it is. And it's going to seem ridiculous at times. Uh, It might seem easier, it might seem more difficult. You know, I don't know. 
Um, but there's probably going to be a... I've already surrendered to the fact that there's going to be a plethora, a large amount of uncomfortable situations that God might have me be in for His sake. You just got to surrender to that part. And so if I really believe He's going to use me for the harvest, I just got to put that stuff aside. And so we, like as a church, just got to like put that stuff aside and be like, alright God, like this week, what are we doing? You know, Thanksgiving is coming, but stuff is happening. I don't even know what's going on today. Who's going to call me? What might come up? Where are you leading? What are we doing? Oh man, I don't want to talk to them, or I don't want to go through that, or deal with that. We just have to be surrendered to it, because He's using us to bring in that harvest. He's given us the gifts. And it's going to be pretty amazing on the other side when we're in heaven, sitting at that table, and being like, wow, that's what was going on? Like, I just see, you know, what I see in my world, in my vision. But all this stuff that's going on around and other people that are at work and other prayers that are going on, we just have no idea. Just have no idea. So what we're going to do is we're going to sing a... One last song, uh, How Deep the Father's Love for Us. Um, Because I think that's worthwhile to think about. As we think about, you know, this barn and having the wheat and the weeds and that gets burned up and then keeping the wheat might seem like God doesn't love us a whole lot and He's pretty vicious. So I wanted just to play that song and then we'll come back together and, and then pray together.